some more of it this morning. Amen. Move again by your spirit. Like they prayed in Acts chapter 4. Oh God, you hear their threatenings. Threatenings are everywhere around the world. You hear their threatenings. But may you grant to your servants that with all boldness they may speak your word. That signs and wonders may be done in the name of thy holy child Jesus. Hallelujah. We ought to be a people today expecting God to move. Amen. Why? Because we've seen him move before. We know who he is and what he's doing, how he's working. Amen. Get ready for your miracle. Let God move on your behalf. Let faith rise within you to receive from the promise of God going to go to prayer right now. Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord, as we want to thank you, Lord, for your blessings to us, your grace in our lives, for your mercy that endures, Lord, for your hand that can reach further down than what we can look up. Lord God, I hold in my hands today a handkerchief for a, for a wayward one, a prodigal, that you're stirring the heart. I pray in the name of Jesus that great signs and wonders will be done, Lord. That you'll just turn the hearts back to the faith to believe with all their hearts. Dear God, we're a people standing right here on the brink of the greatest events that history has ever seen. Lord, more than just one man and Enoch who walks with you, but a whole group of people that are walk off of this earth into glory. Lord, we are looking not just for uh, translating faith, but resurrection faith, where the dead in Christ shall rise. And we're asking in the name of Jesus that you'll bless your people. Lord, that you'll bring, uh, oh God, the lost to know you. Father, you know, God, that those that are reaching out to you, that are desiring you today, Lord, as I, I just received mail from Misty, Lord, will you touch this life and heart, oh God? Will you bring deliverance to that and to camp, Lord, to this need? Father, every heart that you're stirring and you're moving on, I pray in the name of Jesus you'll move, oh God. For those that are going up for surgery 
Our brother Philip has got a need in his heart. A real need. I pray, oh God, that you'll be with him in this time. If you use doctors, that's okay, Lord. We know you're the healer. But we know even before the doctor's hand touches him, you can cause it all to come clear. You're that kind of God. You're the creator. We know, Lord, to believe in the miraculous because we've seen you move, Lord. We're asking, Father, that you'd move again. Our brother Ron, who you brought through many battles, and today is feeling weak. Lord, I pray, oh God, may the weak say I'm strong. May strength rise into that old eagle until he flies into heavenlies where all things are possible. May today be the end of his sickness. May today, Lord, be the miraculous come to him. Lord, we hear, we hear a new treatments promised to Erica Parker, Lord. I, oh, God, we thank you for the promise of new treatments. But our faith isn't in doctors. Our faith is in your word, Lord. And your word says, I heal all diseases. And today on the wings of this prayer, we rebuke that sickness, that cancer that has to bow to the to the feet of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, be repulsed. Not only that, but there's others that are suffering in their need today right here in this building. Oh God, those that are doctors are given a bad report but Lord we believe your report we believe Lord that by your stripes we were healed oh who will believe our report who to whom will the arm of the Lord be revealed Lord it'll be to those who believe and we believe today we accept today healing we accept today deliverance We accept today a fresh new outpouring of the Holy Ghost. We accept today the anointing of God to come down on every person. Lord, to speak to hearts and lives and sinners come and find their way to the cross. Lord, to come to know you. May you just move, Father. I ask in Jesus' name. We believe the half has not yet been told. And we're looking, Lord, to you for more things because you promised it. It's wonderful, Lord, the blessings that is in this land. And we thank you for the land, the land of the, where the book is opened, where the promises lay before us, where every one of them is mine. I thank you for it, Lord. I ask, Father, today you'll bless your people, those across the land that are listening in that will hear it even later on in the week or months to come i pray that you'll minister to them may they realize there's a god working among us oh god may you just come to them today in a very personal way in jesus name amen and amen god bless you god bless you it's good to be in the house of the lord today and Amen. We appreciated that song that we just heard from the choir. Wasn't that wonderful? Amen. That, that, that male voice that you heard is one of, one of the ones that God just sent our way and is sojourning among us. Brother Matthew McFadden, we want to welcome him today in the name of the Lord Jesus. Amen. He's moved over toward Hot Springs and driving over this way, so we're happy to have him in the house of the Lord this morning. 
Amen. Isn't it good to be a Christian? Amen. To be serving the Lord in this generation. To be a light in this time of darkness. And I'll tell you how great a light that we have. What a blessing that God has been pouring out upon us. You know, I'll tell you, you need, to, you need to get ready for your miracle. I'll tell you, God's moving. You ought to be expecting. You've got a prodigal that's away from home. May not be a child, may not be a son or daughter, may be a mother or dad. But whoever it is, God knows. May be a brother or sister, but God knows. And God's able. He's moving. Amen. He's calling his elect, getting people ready. You realize even the church, not the bride, the church has to be ready. Because when the rapture takes place, not to be another Gentile saved. So you see, when, when we leave, the Holy Spirit leaves the earth with us. Or we leave with the Holy Spirit as it lifts and it's lifting. You can see it lifting from the nation, lifting from society, lifting from homes, lifting from churches, lifting from everywhere. And when it leaves, we're going with it. And I pray all the time, Jesus said we should, pray always to escape the things that are coming on the earth and to be accounted worthy to stand before the Son of Man. And the Son of Man is the Word. Stand before Him and let Him judge us. Amen. Because if we're judged now, we won't be condemned with the world. Amen. If we receive the judgment of the Word now and let Him change our lives. Amen. And accept His correction. And move into the realms of the spirit and the supernatural, then we won't be left behind here. He, because the rapture is a judgment. I'll take one. I'll leave one. You know, I, that's a, it's a judgment. So we, we must be ready for it. And uh, it's not the white throne judgment. No, it's not the wrath poured out. No, but it's, uh, it's the blessings of God as he, as he judges. And he looking, he's looking for the token, which is the Holy Ghost. Amen. Brother Branham used the word token, and it differ, differentiates uh, away from just the, the baptism on the realm of the Spirit that the Azusa Street movement had. It's a token. It's a literal life of Jesus Christ. But I want you to understand, it is the Holy Ghost. Amen. And how we need him this morning. Amen. We love you, and we thank you. I appreciate your prayers as we was going away and, and we're going to be gone um, not this weekend but we'll be here this weekend coming up next Sunday but then going down up to Brother Kelly's in, in Canada and ministering there so Brother Timothy and I will be away uh, two Sundays from, from now and, and uh, we'll be sharing the word of God with them we love, we love it when other ministers come well there's a prize comes with it we have to go too so you know um, we appreciate our brother Kelly, he'll be here for our October meetings coming up. Amen. And we're looking forward to that. I hope you're praying about it and calling on the name of the Lord. Amen. To move upon hearts and lives and send those that are, you know, people are hungry. People are hungry. People are seeking God. And, and it's important in this hour because he says, blessed are they that hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. Amen. Amen. God bless you. If you'll turn with me to the book of Numbers, chapter 13, verse 23. We're going to read from there this morning. I'm going to be, and you, you'll find these words in my text as I read it this morning. But I'm going to be speaking on nevertheless. And then I put it in parentheses, 
an evil report. So, you know, here we are in a, in a day and hour where we're at the, Brother Branham calls this the judgment seat of the world. So every person comes to this place of Akadesh Barnea. Every church, every age comes to a place of, of um, Kadesh Barnea. And we, we are here in this time because it's a rapture hour. And we've got to decide whether we can take it or whether it's not for us. Whether it's too hard, whether it's, too, it's impossible. But I tell you again, we are headed for, toward a crescendo. And every person is headed toward and, and forced to a decision of what you're going to do with this Jesus called Christ. And uh, so today as we read, we, we will find ourselves either on one side or the other. And I, I trust we'll be on the side of those who can say we're more than able. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Numbers chapter 13 verse 23. And they came unto the brook of Eskel. And cut down from thence a branch with one cluster of grapes. And they buried between two upon a staff. And they brought of the pomegranates and of the figs. And the place was called Brook Eschol because of the cluster of grapes which the children of Israel cut down from thence. And they returned from searching the land after 40 days. And they went and came to Moses and to Aaron and to all the congregation of the children of Israel unto the wilderness of Paran to Kadesh and brought back word unto them and unto all the congregation and showed them the fruit of the land. And they told him and said, we came unto the land whither thou sinnest us and surely it floweth with milk and honey. And this is the fruit of it. Nevertheless, the people be strong that dwell in the land. And the walls, cities are walled and very great. And moreover, we saw the children of Anak there. And the Amalekites dwell in the land of the south. And the Hittites and the Jebusites and the Amorites dwell in the mountains. And the Canaanites dwell by the sea and by the coast of Jordan. And Caleb stilled the people before Moses and said, Let us go up at once and possess it, for we are well able to overcome it. But the men that went up with him said, We be not able to go up against the people, for, we are, for they are stronger than we. And they brought up an evil report of the land, which they had searched unto the children of Israel, saying, The land through which we have gone to search it is a land that eateth up the inhabitants thereof. And all the people that we saw in it are men of great stature. And there we saw the giants, the sons of Anak, which come of the giants. And we were in our own sight as grasshoppers. And so were we in their sight. God bless you. You can be seated. Amen. My, it's good to be gathered together this morning, have such a tremendous thought lay in my head of us and a great word that the Lord has prepared for us. And good to have a lot of you back home that have been away. I look out and see the lay families and 
ones that have been gone and away and different ones, the Stankies are here. God bless you. There's Sandra there. God bless you. Man, not streaming today. You're listening. And right here in the live. Amen. Good to have you live in the service. Amen. So it's great to be in the house of God together this morning. And my, we gathered in his name. And when we gather in his name, there's good things going to happen. God's, God's going to do some great things. We can look and just see it in, in the promise of his word. I, I just listening and just receiving of different um, testimonies that have been going on around and just hear of God moving in different places. And, you know, there's um, a, friend, a friend of mine that I, I just was uh, known the family for many years. It's the Ball family. And, and they had, um, they had a, a couple of their young men that have come back to the Lord in just recent days that the Lord has done some great things for them. And, um, you know, one of them was, was in a, 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 some type of a waffle house or something like that that I don't remember exactly the, the location, but just sitting there minding his own business, living his own life, doing his own thing, and, you know, wayward and away from God. And a man came and joined him at the table and said, said to him, can I just sit with you for a moment? And he really didn't want He really didn't want his company and... And he begrudgingly let him sit down and he began to talk to him and just said, you know, you're about to receive your last call. God's dealing with you. And spoke to him just a few moments and, and there um, as he, he got up and walked away and he said, hey, what's your name? And he says, my name is Rich, Rich in Grace. And he walks out and disappears. So, you know, here we do, we, you know, he comes and and surrenders his life to the Lord and was baptized in his name. And, and uh, you know, God's, God's just gathering them. And then another young man the same way. And, you know, God's just moving by his spirit, people being healed as the word goes forth. As Brother Donnie was ministering in his church, um, one of the, and, and he just mentioned that diabetes had to be subject to the name of the Lord. And there was a, there was a, a, a brother sitting there that was, suffering with, with uh, bad eyesight because of his diabetes so bad. And he felt a cool feeling. You know, they, they say it's not emotion, but it seems like emotion comes with it. I, I read where Brother Branham talks about it many times, the angel of God. And Sister Jeannie Camp was there. And she knows when she walked in the presence of that angel, that the angel of the Lord, it was a warm, sweet, comfortable, peaceful feeling. So, you know, it does come with feeling. Don't think it don't. Amen. You say, well, it don't bring any sensation. Oh, yeah, there's a feeling that comes with it. And uh, other times when the Holy Spirit move over them and, and feel that sickness go away, is a cool feeling sweep over them. Well, that's a cool feeling swept over this man and his eyes, and his eyes became clear. And uh, another man, you know, uh, heard of the same testimony and he was streaming. And while he was streaming there, his heart was so bad that he could only get around on, on a walker or a cane. And, and as, as uh, he began to hear of the testimonies of God passing by and healing, his faith reached out and claimed the promise of God. And he also felt that same cool sweep come over him. And, and when, he, when he did... Um, you know, he, uh, his, he, 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 
he threw aside his walker and his cane and, and he went back to the doctor and the doctor said, man, you're so good, I don't need to see you for another year. Hallelujah. I know you believe that because we've been seeing God move too. Amen. But he's moving by his spirit all over the world. And I'll tell you what, wherever you are, whether you're in this church this morning, you're streaming or listening in, it is the hour of deliverance. God is delivering his people. And I believe that with all of my heart. Now, Israel following the pillar of fire had been brought up to this place called Kadesh Barnea. But here they would refuse now to follow it into the land of promise. And for 40 days, this 12 spies had searched out the land and, and the evidence was shown of its goodness. And they come back with the cluster of, of grapes that it took two men to carry and, and the pomegranates and the figs. And the Bible said in verse 27, they told them, and this is the first report, if they'd have just stopped right here, if they would have just kept with this word, we, we come to the land whither thou sentest us, and surely it floweth with milk and honey, and this is the fruit of it. If they could have just left off the nevertheless... If they would have just stayed with that, that very word right there, things would have been different. They wouldn't have wandered around 40 years in the wilderness. And I just say, we ain't got 40 years to wander around. Because you see, and we're not going to have 40 years because when this bride leaves, there's going to be only three and a half years left. So as we look at this, you know, we, you don't want to be left in the tribulation. So if you ever believe, this is our to believe. If you ever prayed, Lord, help thou my unbelief, this is a time to pray, Lord, help thou my unbelief. Amen. Now, for us, the land is the Holy Ghost and his fullness. It is exactly as God said. This is, this is exactly what they were saying on these, this first part of the report. It's exactly as what God said. It surely flows with milk and honey. You know, it is there. Here's the fruits of it. Here's the proof of the land. And, and, and I wanted to say this land that we're in is not a physical land. It's a land of an open book. It's a land where the promises of God lay before us. Every one of them laying right there for you to possess this morning. And he says, and, and, it, and I want to say it's exactly as God said. There are provisions of deliverance. There is provision of experiences in the Holy Ghost. There, there is provisions of visions and spiritual dreams and prophecy and tongues and interpretation plus all the fruits of the spirit of love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, meekness, patience, gentleness, kindness. All of these things lay there within there and then there are mystery truths that are ready to be discovered. But these come up to the border of it and stopped refusing to take the land. I just want to just remind you of what God has done in this generation. I, I, uh, I just heard Brother Matthew Watkins mention this. 
And dear God, help me that I don't ever preach as long as he does. But nevertheless, help me to be mindful. I'm saying that for his sake. But he mentioned Brother Perry Green, of whom that we had back in the, the 80s. That I, that I actually had to come and give to our church um, a testimony of things that he witnessed and seen and he shared with our church. And Brother Matthew mentioned this, and as he did, as he did mention it, um, uh, you know, it brought back to my memory again Brother Perry's testimony, and I just wanted to share it with you today. As he mentioned, he's as a witness, an eyewitness of what God has done in this generation. I'm doing this to tell you of how good the land is. And he said, my family moved to Beaumont, Texas in 1949 when my dad became pastor of the Emanuel Gospel Church. Shortly therefore, thereafter, we learned that there was a man by the name of William Marin Branham that was conducting divine healing meetings in Houston, Texas, which was less than 100 miles away. And he said, you know, since I, he said that since I was nine years old, I had quoted Hebrews 13 and 8, Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever, but I had no idea what it really meant. I was 16 at the time that we went to Houston, Texas, and I had the baptism of the Holy Ghost and had an experience of speaking in tongues, and I'd read about divine healing um, and read every miracle in the Bible, and I believed them. And uh, yet he said, I quoted uh, since a child, since nine years old, Hebrews 13, 8, that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever, but I had no idea what it really meant. Brother Branham was in the Sam Houston Coliseum on January the 23rd, 1950, and we had arrived early enough that we were able to get a seat on the lower level right in front of the pulpit about 11 rows back. As the service began, the first speaker was Brother Gordon Lindsay, followed by F.F. F. Bosworth. And then Brother Branham came to the pulpit, and as he looked across the, the audience, he said, Good evening, friends. It was so personal. I, I thought he was talking to me. And I got up out of my seat and stood in front of the platform on the left-hand side near the pulpit because I thought the man had spoken to me. And when he had called for the prayer line, about 15 people came forward. And I found from where I was standing, I could directly view the prayer line. I'd never seen one before, and I didn't know what to expect. And the first person was a little seven-year-old boy that had been blind from birth. And Brother Branham took the boy by the hand and asked us to bow our heads while he prayed for the child. And as soon as the prayer was over, the boy looked around like he could see and Everybody began to praise the Lord. And my thought was, well, how did I know the boy was blind? And they held up a handkerchief, and the little boy reached out and grabbed it. They held out a microphone cord, and he stepped over it. And Brother Branham said, now, run back to your daddy. And the boy turned and looked out at the audience of approximately 1,100 people, and he had never seen his dad. And when the child had been called to the platform, a man had came and stood next to me. The man now called the boy by name. 
And the platform was about four feet high. And the boy came to the edge of it and leaped off into the man's arms. He played with the man's red necktie. And then I saw the man's tears. And, and, and then he saw the man's tears and touched them. And then he began to feel the man's face like a blind child would. That was his dad. Then he threw his arms around his dad's neck and looked directly at me. I knew I had seen a miracle. It was the beginning of the change of my life. And there was a young lady that had been brought up a, had brought up a six-year-old boy that had been born with no feet. And Brother Bradham took him in his arms and asked her to remove the stockings. Once more, he asked us to bow our heads, which I did. But again, I watched upward as Brother Branham, at Brother Branham as he prayed. I wasn't the only one watching. Because in the midst of the prayer, it appeared that Brother Branham dropped the little boy. And many people in the audience gasped. And right in front of my eyes, I saw two little feet created. And this affects me until this day when I see little baby's feet. It stirs something within my soul because of the miracles that I saw. So all I'm just doing is just bringing it out to you again today of the land. And what lays in our land. Creative power. Creative power that can create new cells in a, in a lung and a lung that is filled with cancer have all brand new cells in it. Amen. Amen. The power of God that can go out and rebuke an autoimmune disease or, or that can heal a brain bleed or make a crippled child to walk. We're talking about the power of the living God. We're talking about the goodness that lays in this land. Amen. The treasures that are there, the great mysteries that have been revealed and the truths that have been given to us in this generation where that we can say we are now preaching what Paul preached. Uh, you know, and, and of course these, Brother Adam called them at Kadesh Barnea, borderline believers. They walk up into the borderline and then and, 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 and they taste of the goodness of the Holy Ghost and they see its fruits and refuse to go in. There's whole things that we could bring out on Hebrews 6 and maybe we will some today. But I, I, I want just to say today, you know, there, there are many that are standing there at the border. Or maybe, maybe they've got into the edge of it. And I'm just saying there's more. Amen. It is wonderful that we have conquered Jericho. And for us, the seals are open. The walled cities and, you know, Jericho was the entrance into the land. And so to get the land open, the walls had to come down first. Amen. To get the land open, the seals had to be open. The mysteries had to be revealed. And the book opened to us to open up every promise that lay in there. Is somebody with me? Amen. And I know that many will listen to me today and say, but we're not borderline believers. We have conquered Jericho. And for us, all the seals are open. And this proves, Brother Tim, we're in this land of the Holy Ghost. And I want to say that's true. But you know, when you rebuild the walls and make denominations out of your doctrines and still won't possess the rest of the land, 
Amen. Remember, there is a curse with rebuilding the walls of Jericho. You will lay it in your firstborn and your last child. That's what he said. You know, your firstborn and your last child will die. Let me tell you, friends, this is, this is what happens. Death comes into the camp and the young people suffer. When we refuse to go into all the land and we won't just rally around the great mysteries of God and say, we have the mystery truths, yet we don't go in and discover everything that lays in our land. Now, I wanted to say, so many are fulfilling, and, and if, you heard, if you heard me preach when I was away at Brother Ron's, how many was either there or you was listening in? Let me see your hands. And probably about half of the congregation. Well, I will reiterate some of the things that I even spoke there to the congregation today and for the audience that, uh, that is here. But anyway, again, you know, and for you that have heard, it'll be a reminder. For the rest of you, it'll be something there that I want you to grasp today with all your heart. But many are fulfilling that which is found in the first chapter of Judges, where the word neither replaces the word nevertheless. They're basically the same in its application in this way. It's because so many are found there um, that neither have they possessed all of the promises. But too many of us are content with living on the edge of the land. Possessing some of the promises but neglecting to possess all and allowing Canaanites to dwell in what belongs to believers. The Bible would say in the book of Judges, neither did Manasseh drive out the inhabitants, but the Canaanites would dwell in the land. You see, God gave you the land, but he expects you to drive out your enemy. He gave you divine healing, but he expects you to take the word and with faith apply it and drive out your enemy. He gave you the promise of the Holy Ghost, but he expects you to repent and turn from your sins and with faith believe that the promise of God is for you. You see, if the enemy is kept down on your health, the covenant gives provisions. Isaiah 53 and others that says in the New Testament, I would that you would prosper in health as your soul prospers. You see, the church must have divine healing. For they must have divine healing. Now listen, for the resurrection. Because without it, there will be no resurrection. Now, you know, I, I know when you preach things like this, you can have all kinds of quotes thrown at you. Well, you know, like, you just, you can't, you can't major on a minor. Let me just tell you, divine healing is something that is needed. All, all I am saying about this is in the land. You say, well, it's minor. I don't care if it's not a major town like Jericho, but AI must be conquered. Amen. There's other cities, maybe lesser cities. They all have to be conquered. 
Are you with me? So don't throw any, don't throw any quote and say, well, that's not a major, it's just a minor. Listen, if it's in the land, it's important. I just say, if you got the major, you gotta have the minor. You see, Brother Branham, and let me quote him as I said, if there's no divine healing, there is no redemption of the body. You see, it's part of the earnest money. If there's no divine healing now, there is no resurrection of the body. Divine healing is the earnest of our redeemed body. Did you ever think of that? If there's no divine healing, then when you go to the grave, that's all of it. You'll be there forever and your dust will go away and there'll be no more of you. And he says, and, it, and Jesus lays the complete of salvation, the complete of divine healing. I'll tell you what, if it's in Jesus, I want it. Amen. You know, one more thing I want to say before, before I go too far in this. Maybe divine healing is a minor. But it's only a minor in comparison to salvation. Amen. What's more important? What is the major is getting your soul saved. But you see, it's only a minor in comparison to that. You see, it's a very important part of the believer's victory. Amen. It's, it is a very important part. Listen, Brother Bannon said that in Jesus lays the complete of salvation, the complete divine healing. And let me just say, if it's in Jesus, I want it. And let me back up again and say it might be minor to you, but if you're sick this morning, amen, if you got a death notice from the doctor this morning, amen, if you got a need in your life or for your loved one, come on, if you're Donnie and Carol Reagan and their daughter Erica, amen, if you're Ron Spencer, it's not minor, it's major. And I just say if you would have the right kind of feelings for your brother or your sister, it wouldn't be a minor to you either. It would be a major. If there was really some brotherly love and brotherly kindness and real concern for one another, we'd lay on the altar of God and say, God, amen, pour out your blessings. Notice, he says, in Jesus lays the complete of salvation, the complete of divine healing. If there's no divine healing now, there's no resurrection of the dead. Oh, I'd like you to wait over that. That's right. We have the first fruits of our inheritance. Is that right? The earnest of our salvation. Amen. Now, if there's no divine healing and another quotation, there is no resurrection. Now, you couldn't disprove that by the Scripture. See, I'm arguing the points of Christ because we have the earnest of our salvation, which is the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Amen. That is the down payment, the earnest, which holds it secure in heaven for us. And if there's no divine healing, to make a cancer-ridden body come normal and well again, there is no resurrection of the dead. That's right, we have no earnest of it at all. There's no, been, no plan made for it. 
So I'm going to just say divine healing is a part of the earnest for the rapture. Now that doesn't mean now if you get sick and you die that you're not going to be resurrected or in the rapture. No, that simply means it's a down payment money on a new body. And when, when you see, when, just like when you see the change in a person and the desires of the world is gone, the short skirts and the shorts and the cigarettes and the beer is all gone. It's a sign of the working of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Now, like Brother Branham said, and who is this Melchizedek? Like you women claiming you got the Holy Ghost going out here and you're wearing shorts and things. How could you do it? How could the Spirit of God in you ever let you do such a thing as that? It just can't be so. Certainly, it can't be. He's not a filthy spirit. He's a Holy Spirit. And then when you become subject to that Spirit, It throws your whole being subject to that spirit. And that spirit is nothing in the world but the seed word made manifest or quickened, hallelujah, made alive. And when the Bible says don't do this, the body quickly turns to it. There's no question. And what is it? It's the earnest of the resurrection. This body will be raised up again because it's already started. It was once subject to sin and mire and corruption, but now it's got the earnest and it's turned heavenly. Now is the earnest that you're going in the rapture is the earnest. A person laying, dying, nothing left but death. That's all that can happen. And I've seen those shadows of people done eat up with cancer and tuberculosis and see them persons a little while after that, perfect, normal, and strong. If there's no divine healing, there's no resurrection. Because divine healing is the earnest of the resurrection. You know what the earnest money is, don't you? It's the down payment. He was wounded for our transgressions. With his stripes we were healed. Amen. You see, it's a double atonement. It's not only for the soul, it's for the body. Say, well, I've been saved in my soul. And you don't look like it. You still still got the paint on and the lipstick and the short skirts and the shorts and whatever. It's not showing. Amen. Are you with me? Amen. So again, you see, it's a redemption of the soul and the body. But you notice in the book of Judges, it says, And the Amorites forced the children of Dan into the mountain and would not allow them or suffer them to come down to the valley. Think of it. Here, here, God's enemies. Amen. Here, these represent or type out demon powers that they, they forced them into the mountains and would not let them come down in the valley. You see, you cannot bear fruits in the mountains. It's down in the valleys where you bear the fruit. So if you look at this for a moment here, the enemies that they were to drive out, even though they had entered into the land. I'm trying to get something to you. You might say, Brother Tim, I've got the Holy Ghost. I've been filled with God's Spirit. I know the power of Christ and it changed me. But I, I'm trying to tell you, friends, that it's, it's more than just that. It's more than just that initial filling of the Holy Ghost. Amen. It's a continually living with Christ. It's a refilling of his presence. It's being endued with power from 
a fresh and up-to-date experience. Not something you talk about in 50 years ago. We conquered Jericho and the seals were open and bless God, I got the mystery revealed. What about the rest of it? Brother Branham would take Samson as a type and he says where he stood there blind and defeated and bound and typed it with the church today. And he says, I can almost point you to a church like that. Helpless, defeated and blind, rejecting the promises, rejecting the word A church that God promised would have power over sickness. In my name they shall cast out devils, taking up a devil and casting him away and the, the blessings he promised to his church. And because the church has turned from prayer meetings and from sincerity and made the religion of Christ a tradition, and it's, it's, and it's taken all the, took, took all the strength out of it. Glamour is coming to our churches. And she stands defeated. Again, in the message Messiah, he told us, you know, Joshua was told that every place that the, the sole of your feet shall tread upon, that I've given to you. You see, footsteps mean possession. And that's what I'm preaching to you today is, Enlarge your coast. Amen. Take another step. Move a little further. Amen. Conquer more in your life. You're going to come to Achates Barnea. You're going to come to the season time where you're going to decide, am I going to let Amorites live here and keep me from bearing the fruits? Or am I going to take everything God said? Now, he said, as we enter the kingdom of God, God's kingdom taking all the Philistines out, the unbelievers and all the Amorites and the Malachites and whatever, throw it out of us like that, we take possession. Amen, I like that. Say, days of miracles are past. You Amorite, get out of me. I put a footprint there. I took over. There's no such thing as seeing vision. Get out of here, you Amalekite. I'm coming over. From there, you're pressing out. You see, you're taking over, he said, from that little, that little light that is born of you when, by the Holy Ghost, about the size of a button, it begins to push out and begins to take over every part of your being to bring it into faith. You see, he told, it, he told us again, he used these same principles all the way to the end of his ministry when he would come in, in question and answer 64, and say, when Joshua entered the land of Canaan, he said, don't you let him live. Said, cute baby, little Amalekite or Amorite, kill it. Yes. Amen. Remember, he'll grow up to be an Amalekite. He'll pollute the camp. And when them little things come back like disagreeing with the word of God, get rid of that thing. I don't care what denomination it belongs to. You say, well, they're good. I don't care how good a people they are. If they're contrary to that word, get that thing out of you. It's growing a little Amalekite. It looks cute. It looks innocent. It looks all right. But don't you have anything to do with it. You stay away from it. Well, Brother Branham, I go down here. Well, because I, he said, just remember any Amalekite, anything that denies the word, stay away from it. Have nothing to do with it. Hallelujah. 
Amen. I, you know, I, I just want to say, you know, there's a lot of gossip of unbelief today. And it ain't all coming from denominations either. Amen. You better tune your ears to the word of God and hear what the spirit is saying. You know, again, I just say to the message community at large, where is faith? Where are workings of miracles? Where is prophecy? Where is the word of knowledge? Where is divine healing? Where is overcoming life? Power over pornography. Why, why, why is it that the Holy Ghost is lacking? You know, instead, you see, instead of them going on into the promise and possessing everything that God said, they made agreements or leagues with them and allowed them to stay. And instead of driving out and annihilating our enemy, we bring in the gods of psychology. We learn how and train people how to live with their devils. Instead of old-fashioned prayer altars and prayer meetings and preachers who know how to cast out devils, they go back to Egypt pulling the knowledge of how to use psychology to help their flock. You see, it becomes reformation instead of transformation. Judges chapter 2 verse 1. I want you to read this with me. You can put it on the board if you will. And here's what the angel, the angel comes because of this neither. And the angel of the Lord came up from Gilgal to Bochum and said, I made you to go up out of Egypt. And I brought you to the land which I swear to your fathers. And I said, I will never break my covenant with you. This, this is really important for you to grasp. This is a God that keeps his word. Come on. And he says, and ye shall make no league with the inhabitants of this land. You shall throw down their altars, but you have not obeyed my voice. Why have you done this? Wherefore I also said, I will not drive them out before you, but they shall be as thorns in your sides, and their God shall be a snare unto you. Because you refuse to possess because you said, you, you said neither, because it was said of you, neither did, neither would. And they allowed the enemy to live among them. God said, okay, I won't drive them out. I'll leave you to your own misery. They will be thorns in your side and their gods will be a snare to you. Amen. And their gods have become a snare. Because I hear pastors crying. Yeah, as a senior pastor myself, I hear from other pastors, I can't get my people to come to church. What do you do? You know, their heads are in gaming or in movies or even pornographies. They'll never mature. They're always making wrong decisions. I can't get the ladies to wear dresses that cover their knees while standing or sitting. I get them to quit wearing makeup or trimming their hair. I can't get men to be real fathers and leaders in their home. And there's no family altar. They simply refuse to kill out the Amalekites. You see, nevertheless is the word we're using today. Nevertheless is the same as but. God is good, but... The power of God is real, but 
The Holy Ghost is true, but you see, these become words, and I'm going to show you in the Bible, they're words that come and twist the word of God. They see it, they proclaim it, they say it's right, it's a good land, yes, it's there, but we can't do it. And it's because of an anointing. It's an intellectual anointing to intellectualize and to dress up and sophisticate the gospel. You see, the spies had searched the land for 40 days. Now their unbelief would cause them to wander for 40 years. I want you to think of that. A day of unbelief can give you a year of unfruitfulness. But why did this happen? It happened because 10 spies heard and then they began to see, hear and see through the lens and ears of an intellectual demonic anointing. Two different spirits anointing the people. I'm gonna prove it to you. Look at Numbers chapter 14 and verse 24. But my servant Caleb, he had another spirit with him. So I want you to know if he had another spirit, then his spirit was different from theirs. He had a different anointing. He had a different spirit than these other believers who were saying we can't take it. Somebody help me preach now. Amen. Because my servant Caleb, he had another spirit and he had followed me fully. Him will I bring in the land where he went and his seed shall possess it. I don't know about you, but that's where I want to be identified this morning. I want to be identified with a Caleb. Hallelujah. Think about it for a moment. Here. To be identified with a Caleb, Brother Branham said Caleb and Joshua represents the true believers that stayed with Moses. I'm represented right there. That's my representation. That's a word that speaks of me. Somebody help me preach. Amen. Two spirits. One, the anointing of the Holy Ghost. And it anointed, hallelujah, it anointed Their eyes, the eyes of men like Joshua and Caleb, not to even, they made no mention of giants. They made no mention of walled cities. They made no mention of of any kind of of obstacle that laid in front of them. Come on, somebody. All they saw was the fruits. All they saw is my God's a healer. My God's a deliverer. My God's a savior. My God's a revealer. But the other spirit will come right down and start twisting what they saw and what they heard. And if you're not careful, you can sit in a church service just like this. And while the anointed word is going forth, an intellectual demon sit right there on your ear and twist everything that has been said under the anointing. Amen. Amen. Wow, Brother Tim, every time you hear, every time I hear you preach about Judas, I'm the Judas. Every time you preach about Cain, I'm the Cain. Why do you want to identify yourself there? Come on. 
Amen. You see, but Satan will annoy that ear, placing doubt. You know, yeah, Judas went all the way, and Judas had miracles, and Judas had signs, and Judas believed, and Judas was justified, and Judas was sanctified, but he didn't, and you know, that's going to be me, Brother Tim. I just can't make it. I just can't, it just won't work for me. It just ain't for me. This word isn't for me. Let me tell you, God didn't bring you to this point. He didn't give you this opportunity. Amen. And you turn around and say, it's not for me. No, sir. He gave you this opportunity. He lets you hear the word of God where you can decide, it's for me. Amen. It's my promise. It's my word. It's my deliverance. Amen. The Holy Ghost is mine. The power over sin is mine. The power of the Holy Ghost to heal the sick is mine. You've got to hear what the Spirit says. You just make sure what you're hearing is the Word. Not something, not a word twisted by a demon because he will come and twist it. Tim Spies saw and heard through the eyes and the ears of a demonic anointing. This demon will take you out of church. He will kill your children with death. The ten came under anointing of of an evil spirit and said, we can't take it. You see, they were still controlled by slavery. In their minds, they weren't conquerors. They saw themselves as poor, helpless slaves. Instead of God's own beloved sons. They saw themselves as defeated, as as having years of history and generations of failure, of 400 years of failure, and being in slavery. That's how they viewed themselves. And they, they were because an anointing began to anoint their thinking to think as a slave instead of a mighty conqueror. Now, you see, they were still controlled by their slave owners. That slave owner that would whip them and say, you can never do this. You'll never be anything. You will never overcome this. You will never rise up above it. That would beat them down and and keep them in bondage and say, you're worthless. Your mama was a slave. Your daddy was a slave. Your granddaddy was a slave. Your great-granddaddy was a slave. You will always be a slave. You can never break the cycle. I'm going to tell you, friend, don't you listen to that. Hallelujah. Amen. God has come down and said, you're my children. And because you are sons, hallelujah. I'm bringing you into the adoption of sons. I want you to realize your sonship and who you belong to. You see, if you don't get rid of the slave mentality, it'll just keep beating you down. You'll only live in defeat. You're not a slave. Your name isn't defeat. Your name isn't not worthy. I'm not good enough, unable, too poor, 
Amen. You know, too full of, of, I'm too inferior. I'm unworthy. Quit saying you're unworthy. You're not unworthy. He shed his blood to make you worthy. How can you deny what he done for you? Get rid of this idea, you know, this Eeyore idea and feeling of I got to be beat down all the time and that's humility. That ain't humility. That's slave mentality. Get rid of the slave mentality and say I am what he made me. I am a son. I am a daughter. I am God's child. God is responsible for me. I refuse to be identified with failure. Some people sometimes say about me, oh, Brother Tim's handicapped. The only place people are handicapped is in their brain. When you begin to realize and you get get to think of yourself as handicapped, unable, you can't do it. You gotta have a can-do mentality. I can do all things through Christ. Oh, Brother Tim, you could have a handicap license plate. I don't want one. I don't need one. I can walk. I park on the backside of Walmart. I don't look for the closest place. Amen. Why? Because God's healed me. That may have been what I was, but that's not what I am. Oh, yeah, I was there for nine days in a doctor in a hospital, and the doctor looking every day, and his heart going like this and saying, and then he looked at it and said, Son, don't you ever thank me for anything service I did. I was there. I saw what happened. He said, my heart would go Twitter pater every time I looked at your foot where I had to cut it open, the cast, and, and make room for swelling. I said, Son, You are a miracle. God did that. God brought you through that. Amen. Don't you ever thank me and go back and tell that church to pray for you again because God's going to bring you through. Someone, devil, want to put some complex on you? I don't have one. I refuse to have a complex. Say, well, Brother Tim, blemish of your feet is pretty bad. The blemish of your sin is worse. The blemish of your unbelief is worse. Listen, don't take anybody's name they try to put on you. They want to label you as a defeat, a reject, a no good. They want to try to take you and, 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 and make you feel unable and adequate, that's the devil's work. Don't you listen to anything that, that the devil has to say about you. Well, I, I'm unworthy. Don't you ever confess that. I'm worthy through his blood. Amen. You say, well, I don't feel much like a Christian. You know, don't say that. You, you say, I am what he said I am. He gave his life for me. How can that be anything less? People will label you all kinds of things. People with cancer, that man with cancer, that woman with cancer. 
You come identified with that thing. Don't, don't take that label. Amen. Don't take that label. Amen. That, that person, that person with this, this affliction, that, that person with this habit, you know, don't be identified with that. Refuse it. I, you know, the, the other day I was studying and, and I was just listening to the Bible. I'll just give you a little hint. I like, I like Reese's Chronological Bible and, you know, it's, uh, it's read in dramatized form on, on, um, uh, on YouTube. And I go through the Bible listening to that. It's King James. Dramatized. It has different voices and different ones when a man speaks and a woman speaks. Nice. And I'm, I'm listening to all of the genealogies, you know, the genealogy of so-and-so begat so-and-so and so-and-so begat so-and-so. And, and I, you know, and I, you know, and I'm thinking I could care less who begat who. <laughs> you know, I, I don't know who they are and what they are and whatever. I finally, glad it finally got to Jesus because I'd reckon, recognize that. But all of these begat who, begat who, begat who. In the middle of that begat who, it mentioned a man by the name of Jabez. And Jabez was named Sorrow by his mother. Amen. She named him such. Look in 1 Chronicles 4 and 9 and you can mark it in your Bible. Some of you need to hear this. Amen. Some of you say, well, I must not be very worth very much. My father abandoned me when I was a child. You know, I, they, my mother left the home. This, this happened there. I, 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 you know, bad things happen to me. That has nothing to do with who you are. Amen. Amen. Well, I'm from a, I, I'm from a, a, a deprived race or I'm, I'm this, I'm that. Forget it. I don't care what you've been named. Listen, the book of Joshua, the Bible comes here and all of a sudden breaks with all the begats. And it mentions a man by the name of Jabez. And Jabez was more honorable than his brethren. Now what made him more honorable? It wasn't because of what his mother called him. His mother said, you called him sorrow because I bear him with sorrow. You know, people I name you a lot of different names. The devil will try to hang all kinds of things on you. But don't you accept it. Jabez did not accept it. Amen, he had that name, but look what he did with it. Verse 10, and he, Jabez called on the name of God, the God of Israel saying, oh, that thou would bless me indeed and enlarge my coast. I want to be more than sorrow. I want to be more than defeat. I want to be greater than trials and troubles and bad luck and depression. That is not who I am. I'm going to enlarge my coast so that thy hand will be with me. Oh, hallelujah. And that thou wouldst keep me from the evil that it, that it not grieve me. My mother named me something evil, but keep me from it, God. Amen. Keep me from it. Enlarge my coast. Amen. Bless me indeed. Let your hand be on me. Hallelujah. How can you fail with the hand of God on you? How can you not be a success when he has ordained your life and called 
connected to this message. Bless me, enlarge my coast. This curse that my mother tried to put upon me called me sorrow. Let your hand be with me. Keep me from this evil sorrow that it may not grieve me. I reject the name of sorrow. I, and I want you to say today, you ought to, you say, Brother Tim, nothing but trouble follows me. Shame on you. Don't you say, God, enlarge my coast. Let me look into the Bible that said, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the presence of God forever. Trouble and bad luck doesn't follow me. No, but rather goodness and mercy follows me all the days of my life. I am blessed. I'm healthy. I'm well. I'm rich. Amen. I'm full of God's favor. Amen. I'm his mercy. I'm his love. I'm all that he is. Whatever God is, that's who I am because that's my father. Forget what my mother called me. Forget the begets. Forget the begets and the regrets. Forget them all. And say, oh God, I've been begotten anew. I got a new genealogy. Hallelujah. Amen. And Almighty God, through Jesus Christ, begat Tim Pruitt. And he enlarges his coast and calls on the name of the Lord. And he is a success. He is blessed. He is rich in favor and rich in grace and an overcomer. And no weapon that's formed against him can prosper because he's a mighty conqueror like his father. Hallelujah. But this devil will try to come on you where you can't sing with anointing, where you can't rejoice in victory. You'll only sing the songs of your bondage and your sorrows. You know, he'll even anoint preachers, gifted men, where the anointed word of the prophet of God will be twisted in the intellect until they won't even believe in altar calls anymore or prayer lines. They don't know faith, no workings of miracles, nothing. And just let me just tell you, I'm not trying to condemn anybody. I'm just saying, you can have this too. Amen. I'm not in any way trying to slap you down and, and say it's not for you. I'm saying you can, you know, it's there. It's in the land. It's yours. You, you can have this. You know, there, there are many that are peep right into our services and they're embarrassed by what goes on here. I'm just saying you can have it too. You can have the joy of the Lord. You can have dancing in the spirit. You can have speaking in tongues. You can have every gift God has. You can have every promise. You can have the mysteries. You can have the blessings of God. You can have it all. It's for all his children. It's not just for evening light tabernacle. But listen, I can't help it. The politics of your church won't allow you to enjoy your religion. But Brother Branham recognized the need for his church. He said in 1959, 
speaking in Clarksville, he said, I see some of the tabernacle folks here. I'm going to say this about the big sisters. One thing the tabernacle needs up there at our church at Jeffersonville, the tabernacle at Jeff is a rededication and a refilling of the Holy Ghost. Everyone get down to the altar and pray until they get a renewing of the Holy Ghost. And the whole church be filled with the power of God. That's what we need. Not only the tabernacle here, but the body of Christ universal. It needs a refilling. That means even in my tabernacle. Amen. I like, I like David said one day, restore to me the joy of my salvation. Now, he had not lost his salvation, but the joy of it. And when it comes to a place that I can't enjoy my religion, my salvation, there's something wrong somewhere because it's joy unspeakable and full of glory. One of them said, taste and see, the Lord is good. It tastes like honey in the rock. Oh, I'm so glad I've tasted that. The Lord is good. And I love honey, but I've never tasted any like that. That's the best that I know. As he was approaching the Holy Ghost series for his own church in 59, he was there in San Jose, and he had this to say, we're to leave for home. Right away, I've got a three-day meeting there in my little church teaching the baptism of the Holy Ghost, speaking in tongues, signs and wonders to follow the believers and so forth of the people that's around in there. I believe in all the spiritual gifts. I believe in all the Bible. I'm Pentecost from the top of my head to the bottom of my feet, inside, outside, all around, through. through. I am Pentecostal. Amen. I'm just saying you can have this revival for your church. It's for the bride. It isn't exclusive for us. Amen. Amen. So someone is saying, you know, we're having a false revival because they believe the revival's over. But if you just take a thorough study of the subject, that's all I have. Be a student. You know, you know, search out the land. You know, don't, don't just take one little quote or little something or something said about the Amorites and Jebusites and try to apply it to the bride. Come on. Amen. So he said in, in the message, he said, uh, and escape hither, come quickly. He said, now we're speaking on Babylon and the handwriting of the wall. And we're here today. We can almost feel the hot winds of judgment blowing in our face. The world has come to an end. There's not a hope for the world outside of the coming of the Lord Jesus. That's the only hope. You can put an Eisenhower in every county and America will still wade in sin. I'm not looking for any great revival. The thing of it is, the revival is coming, going, and you didn't know it. It's always been that. You, you look for something that Satan kept saying, there'll be greater over here and greater over here, and it's passed right by you. Did not John the Baptist come on the earth, and even the righteous did not recognize him? Did not the Eli- disciples say, when will Elijah come? And he says, already coming, you didn't know it. The revival's just about over. Don't look for nothing greater. We've already got the greatest thing in heaven. The Holy Spirit manifesting himself in this generation. There's nothing else that can be done. Because why? Anything else is going to be more of the Holy Ghost. It won't be out of the land of the Holy Ghost. Are you with me? Amen. Now, again, he said, and I'm just bringing these out. Because he says, now in the in Shreveport, in, in Invisible Union, in, in this one of his last sermons, now we're looking forward to the coming of the Lord in our generation. I'm not looking for revival in our generation. I'm looking for the coming of the Lord in our generation. 
I want you to know once more the coming of the Lord is our revival. It's not just a healing revival. Amen. It's the coming of the Lord. It's the mighty angel descending. Amen. It's the power of the Almighty in the same sermon. Now, I want to give you the other side. That's one side of it. Now, let me, let me go into the same sermon a little later on down. He said, some of you people that really believe this is the truth, that we're entered into another age. We're entered the rapture age. You know the church can't go in its condition, and it can't get any better. It must get worse. How many knows that? Say amen. Well, it's got worse. It's got to get worse, and it can't go on like this. It's got to be something, and it's moving right now, friend. It's on. The move is on for the bride. That's the truth. That's thus saith the Lord. So the revival's over for the church. The revival's over for the nation. You can put good men in every county, it'll never turn it back. You can go take over your school boards, and it won't turn it back. You can go over and and be elected as in the Senate and it won't bring it back. You can get somebody else in the presidency and it won't bring it back. Amen. You're not going to revive America. You're not going to revive the world. But you can revive the bride. The move is on for the bride. That's that saith the Lord. Amen. Amen. So you see, many will point to America's rejection of the Holy Spirit, the Pentecostal move that rejected the word as a premise for the argument. You know, that, that, that's just a false revival, but I just want to say, I just want to say, yeah, there's a false revival, but that means there has to be a true revival. You can't have a counterfeit unless you have a real. But Brother Benham tells us every fresh and true revival will be because men have gotten back to the word for their age. And I just want to say, we don't deny any word. We have hold every mystery truth. Amen. We believe the seals are open. The thunders have sounded their voices. We believe in predestination, eternal security, serpent seed, every bit of it, all of it from Genesis to Revelation. So we're not word deniers. So we can have revival. This message is our revival. Amen. Brother Bradham would come up in the third seal and he said the bride hasn't had a revival yet. There's been no revival, no manifestation of God to stir the bride yet. We'll take those seven on nine thunders back there to wake her up again. I'll tell you what, when the message came and the thunders uttered their voices and it opened up the seven seals and gave you an open Bible. Is somebody with me? Amen. It started causing a revival right then. The reason why this church exists is because of that revival. Hallelujah. Amen. And so you see, the voices of thunders revealed the mystery. It caused the revival. And we have had the mechanics. Amen. But now the dynamics is falling on the word that we have heard. Hallelujah. Amen. Oh, some will say, well, Brother Tim, it's just all blowed out of the whistle. Well, you got to have fire in the box to get it out the whistle. 
Amen. And if you ain't got enough fire to, to blow out the whistle, you ain't got no fire in your box. Amen. You got dead ashes of a past revival. Brother Branham tells us, and hear you him, he says, placing of a son. He said, take him out, have us in a certain place, have a ceremony before angels, place him positionally what he is in the body. Then that person has the authority. Let me say this. If you call me a fanatic from this night on, the very same thing that I'm speaking of will be done. There will be a power put in the church and now is coming in that the Holy Spirit will so anoint the people till they'll speak the word and it'll create itself right there. We haven't seen powers like coming into the church now. I know it for a fact. Amen. Say to this mountain, don't be moved and don't doubt in your heart, but believe what you said will come to pass. You can have what you said. The placing of the church in position with the fullness of the power of the Holy Ghost comes, and where the fullness of the power of the Holy Ghost comes into the church, then critics' mouths will be shut. It'll be a short time. Jesus came right off the mountain, went straight to Calvary. It won't last long, but it'll be here. It'll be here. Amen. It's here. We're in it. It's happening. Amen. You don't have to wait for some squeeze. You look around, you're already being squeezed. You don't have to wait for more persecution. Amen. If you look around and you realize you wake up a little bit, you realize you're being persecuted. Are you with me? Amen. You don't have to wait on nothing. It's here. The move is on. Speak to this mountain. Brother Brandon said, I believe the church of the living God is moving into a sphere that's going to shake the whole world. That's the first time it's been since the days of Jesus of Nazareth to a human being. Ask anything you will. It shall be given to you anything you desire. Don't you see the words of Jesus Christ being fulfilled? Oh, it's going to come to pass pretty soon. I'm looking for it to happen in this meeting. I'm wanting it to happen now that that anointing will strike the whole church of the living God and she'll raise to her feet like a mighty marching army. The sick will be healed by word. The blind will see. The deaf will hear. The dead will be raised up and the power of God will shake the world with the church of the living God. We're in the process of it now. I believe it's soon coming to pass. I will believe it will be exactly that way. I believe it's going to strike the church of God soon. It's going to start a revival that will shake the world and we have it. This is it. So, well, that was before the seals. We'll try the indictment then. It's after the seals. May there come forth a revival of the just and a great power come among the church just before it's going. It's not hard to pray that because you promised it. And we're looking for it, Lord. That third pull that we know will do great thing in our midst. But you know what the problem is? They don't want it. They don't want it. It's like when Jesus went across the sea because he had heard the cry of one man who came, a, a man who was a mental case, who was a maniac living among the tombs and he came up to his senses enough one day just to say, God, help me. And he went back into his insanity. But you know what? God happened to be on earth. 
You say, Brother Jim, I wish it was so today. He's here. He's on earth. How is he here? His Holy Spirit is right here. Where is it at? In bright form. Hallelujah. And there he was. Way across the sea. Nobody could have heard it, but he did. You think God don't hear your cry? Listen, if he'll hear the cry of an unsaved maniac that happened to be a seed of God, he'll hear the cry of a seed of God that's already saved. Amen. All you have to do is just breathe it out. God help me. God help me. Amen. Oh, he will come all the way across the seas. He'll come right down to your place. He'll send an angel right to your table and say, time's up, boy. Get ready. He'll meet a young man going to his office and say, son, it's your your time right now. And a whole family comes to Christ. Is somebody with me? Amen. He knows how to get his own. He ain't going to leave a hook behind. He's not going to leave you where you're at. That's why he calls time after time after time after time. Because God ain't content with you just having land that devils dwell on. That become thorns in your side. He hears a cry of this maniac. Somebody with me. And as he hears the cry, they come across. Here he goes and he says, I got to go to the other side, boys. And he gets in the boat. Well, the devil heard it too. So he gets in the wind. I don't care what the devil does. He can't stop. When Jesus is on his way. Hallelujah. He's on his way this morning. He's coming to your house. He's coming to your tomb. He's coming to your son. He's coming to your daughter. He's coming to your need. And there ain't enough devils. There ain't enough bad reports. There ain't enough of the enemy that can stop Jesus when he's on his way. Hallelujah. He's on his way. He's right here in Eden Light Tabernacle this morning. He's coming to your room wherever you are. your faith to tell you he's a Bible Jesus a Bible God with a Bible promise and the Bible days are right here because we are here living it out the devil may be in the storm but God's in your boat Come on now. Oh, I wish he would speak. He's going to use your voice. Your mountain has to hear your voice. Your storm has to hear your voice. 
This word made provisions to speak to the storm and it go back. He goes out there, this one man hears his cry. He hears his cry, this one man goes across the sea. He'll leave all of heaven for one. He'll leave the 99 for one. He'll come right down to you in your need for you. And here he comes. And of course, you know what he does? There's a bunch of hog raisers there. They're so happy with their hogs and their hogs and their living and the riches and the riches from their hogs and the slop that they feed. And they're so happy with hog raising. The slop pens, devils all around. They don't want no devil cast out. Might cost them something. Might cost them their prestige. Might cost them their riches. It, it, might, it might make them embarrassed. Are you with me? Amen. You know, Brother, Brother, Branham, Brother Branham said they had the, their hogs, and, and, and I'm just going to paraphrase some of the things that he said about it. He said they had their hogs, their slop pens, and they felt more comfortable with devils than they did with Jesus. Because when Jesus cast out them devils, they went into the hogs, and the hogs, you know what I'm going to say, committed suicide. Yeah, say it, Brother Al. Suicide. suicide. That's how you call a hog. Suicide, suicide. They committed suicide. And here, here they, you know, they lost all their hogs. You know, you might, you might lose your prestige. When the devil gets cast out of you, come on. When the devil leaves your, your country, when it leaves the church, hey man, they might be crying, they might be shouting, they might be dancing, you might lose your prestige. But I tell you, I'd rather have Jesus than a bunch of hogs and live in the presence of devils. He said they felt more comfortable than they did when Jesus was there. So they told him, leave. Leave, we don't want you here. It's costing us too much. Why, you go to a big formal church today and let two or three people get in there and go to praising God and shouting you going on like that. Maybe someone give a message in tongues and somebody get healed by the power of God or give a vision. Why, they just freeze them to death. Why, I don't want nothing like that. Better at home with the devils, that's right, than to have the lovely Jesus around. You preach to them like that and they just sit like a ward on a pickle, just as sour and cold as they can be. Nobody would say amen or nothing, just freeze up and freeze down. He said, I wish you would quit. Why, he, he's been up there 15 minutes now, a lot longer than 15 minutes, Matt Watkins. <laughs> amen. And when, when is he going to stop? You see, you see, he said, I can see the legion after he comes to his right mind. He's got healed. I can see after he keeps waving to Jesus, the devil, them peoples come down and said, we don't want you around here. We want the hogs. We'd rather have our hogs. We don't want no more, no such revival as that. All this here nonsense, divine healing. We know the days of miracles is past. That's man's only worked up. Now get out of our land. 
We don't want none of that holy roller stuff started over here. He said, Jesus won't stay. Don't worry. Where he's not welcome, he won't stay. You don't want shouting, rejoicing, speaking in tongues. You don't want the movement of the spirit in your church. He won't stay. You can kick him out. He'll be the unwelcome Christ. You can be just like Laodicea and reject him. Amen. Oh, you know, so let's get into our topic. Verse 31, but the, people, but the men said, the men that went up with him said, we're not able to go up against these people for they are stronger than us. We can't do it. Our young people, they just can't overcome in this age. The Holy Ghost can't keep them. Now, now, church, you think I'm making this up, but I've heard preachers in the pulpit say, the Holy Ghost we got today just can't, it's not, it's not powerful enough to make you live right. And I'm sitting there and I say, who wants that then? I don't want that kind of Holy Ghost. Holy Ghost, I believe in, seals you to the day of redemption, seals Satan out and seals you in. Amen. Oh, well, our, our people can't overcome in this age. The Holy Ghost can't keep them. They can't rise above this filth. It's too hard. I tell you what we'll just do. We'll give them some psychology to help them cope. We'll, we'll give them some sessions to learn how to control their sexual habits. So they try reformation instead of transformation. Because there's a big difference between reforming somebody and transforming somebody. Transforming power comes by the power of the Holy Ghost. Reformation comes by men conforming you to what they want you to be. So you see, in their hearts, they went back to Egypt. And when they went back in their hearts, they began to remember the flesh pots that was there. You see, when we believe and we just give a mental assent, assent to the message and we believe that's the Holy Ghost and porn then is too strong for us and we can't help but be lukewarm. And you see, we, we got church order here and we, we ain't got no power against sickness because healing was only for the messenger. And that word isn't in season anymore. You see, this is what the Bible said in verse 32. And they brought up an evil report of the land which they had searched. The land through which they, we have gone to search it is a land that eateth up the inhabitants thereof. And all the people that we saw in it are men of great stature. And we saw giants and the sons of Anak which come of the giants. And we were in our own sight. I want you to notice they have a different sight because they're anointed with a different spirit. And so he said, and we were grasshoppers in their sight. Now, Numbers 14, 1. And the, all the congregation lifted up their voice and cried. And the people wept that night. And all the children of Israel murmured against Moses 
and against Aaron and the whole congregation said unto him, would to God that we'd have died in the land of Egypt. Or would God we had died in this wilderness. Wherefore hath the Lord brought us into this land to fall by the sword that our wives and our children should be a prey. Were it not better for us to return into Egypt? And they said to one another, let us make a captain and let us return unto Egypt. Now, returning to Egypt means, look, God was their captain. Captain is a leader. And the pillar of fire had led them there. And the pillar of fire had directed them to this place. And the pillar of fire had given them that land. And here Joshua and Caleb are going in there led by a pillar of fire. But these men, but these men reject God's leadership. Without the leadership of God, they could have never left Egyptian bondage. Amen. After receiving the law of Mount Sinai, these people, they willingly affirmed all that God has spoken we will do. We will be obedient. And here he said, go take the land. And they said, we can't. We don't want God's leadership no more. We'll just go back to Egypt. Make us a captain. Make us another leader. We want another leader than God. And in this crisis, listening to the voice of reason and under demonic anointing, they hurriedly rejected God's leadership that they said, let us appoint a leader and return to Egypt. They had a leader and God was their leader. And they didn't like it, but they didn't like it where he was leading them. It would only go so far. I wonder today, after 60 years of mechanics, of laying the word on top of word, dissecting it like Israel did, receiving the law. We understand today by God's grace, having a perfect interpretation of the word of God. We understand predestination, eternal security, Baptism in the name of Jesus Christ. And we walk right up to the border of the fullness of the Spirit. Why? Why do we want to go back to Egypt again? I want to just get it to you. I want you to realize, look, in their minds, no longer was Egypt the enemy. The enemy was now God. Moses, Joshua, and Caleb. Or anyone that says, we can have the Holy Ghost in his power. You see, they just dismissed that as emotion. We can't cast out devils. We don't have the stomach to face giants. So we don't want prayer lines. We can't speak with new tongues. We can't have prophecy. The Holy Ghost... We want it just to say we believe the message. We don't want it. We want it without feeling. We can't have an experience. That's the way we got it in Egypt. Brother Bradham said in palm worm, locusts, and caterpillar, he said there's no place in the Bible 
Were they ever received the Holy Ghost without having emotions, speaking with tongues and shouting and praises of God and prophecies and manifestations? They never just did walk up and shake hands with the preacher and walk away. He says in the message, thirst, I'll give you one. And then at the end of his ministry, he said, wait until that satisfaction comes, that satisfaction portion of the fullness of the Holy Ghost comes in. Then the joy bells of shouting, speaking in tongues, dancing in the Spirit will come. You won't have to do it by the music. You will do it when you're going down the road in your car. You will do it when you're sweeping the floor. You will do it when you're driving the nails in the wall with your carpenter work. Wherever you are, that joy unspeakable and full of glory. Amen. He talks about it in the future home. What a mighty message that is. How that the heavens and earth will pass away and it'll change forms. And, he's, and he equates it until he said, you know, when a man receives a baptism of fire, there's a lot of noise around there. They think that's a shame to hear people scream and shout like that. Just wait until the earth gets her baptism. You know, I have, I have preachers that tell me, and this is no lie. Brother Tim, you only quote statements that fits your narrative. I just want to say that's what Jesus did. Hello. I only quote things that fits my narrative. That's what Jesus did. When Jesus was baptized on the river Jordan, by John he was endued with power. Having been filled with the Holy Ghost. How many knows that's the truth? And after fasting 40 days, he was tempted to use his power. And he was hungry. And Satan tempted him to use his power for himself and make stones into bread. You remember that? And Jesus told Satan, it is written. He gave him a quote. Amen. And he said, here's my quote. And it fits my narrative. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word. Hallelujah. I want to ask you, every word. Do you believe the seals? Yes, every word. Do you believe the thunder? Yes, every word. Do you believe predestination? Every word. Do you believe holiness? Every word. Do you believe in gifts? Every word. Do you believe in speaking in tongues? Every word. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by... Everywhere. So Satan, Jesus told Satan, it is written, man shall live by every word of God. So Satan said, you, want, you like quotes, do you? I have a few of my own. I can use it. I can pull it right out of the, out of the quote book too. I'm doing my little message search. And I'll find something that disproves what you just said. You know, here it is. Because, so Satan uses the word. But he uses the wrong motive. And he threw a quote back at Jesus. Now, I just want to say, Satan is stupid. If he thinks he can defeat Jesus with a quote. Oh, if you're going to live by every word, then try this one. Or does it fit your narrative? Uh, Let me just say to you, you can't hurt me with quotes. I love quotes. 
Amen. Every one of them, I love them all. Come on. I love what he said about the whore, but I don't preach that's for me. I, I love what he said about the lake of fire and Satan being cast into it, but that's not for me. So I, when I preach about heaven and what is for me, I don't have to preach about hell. So you're only fitting your narrative. Yep, that's my narrative. Heaven is mine. Amen. Man, again, Jesus has said, man shall live by, shall not live by bread alone, but by every word. Well, so he throws a quote. And Jesus said, but that quote don't fit my narrative. You know what a narrative is? Story. Your story. So that quote don't fit my story. Hello. You see, it was being applied incorrectly. Jesus would not live by the word that was quoted by the devil. Amen. He knew that Satan mislocated and misplaced the word. And once it's misplaced, it is no longer no longer the word of God is a tool of the devil to bring defeat. So Satan tried to use the word with the wrong motive. And the first thing that the devil tried to do, of course, is what he's trying to do is get him to doubt what had happened in the river Jordan, that he was the son of God. In other words, to doubt his experience of the baptism of the Holy Ghost that had happened on the River Jordan. And he says, cast thyself down. Here's the word, cast thyself down. Leads him up to a temple, cast yourself down. Don't you know the angels will bear you up lest you dash your foot against a stone. It is written. And it was the word. It was a quote. And it's a good quote. We can preach that quote today. It's the word of God, but it's got to be applied right. And the devil was misapplying the quote. Come on. Amen. To get him to fit his narrative. Cast thyself down. For it is written. I'm quoting this. Let me just tell you, friends, yes. It fits my narrative that there is a real Holy Ghost. It fits my story that there is divine healing. It fits my story that there's a shout of the king in our midst. It fits my story that young people and old people alike can worship God in freedom. That fits my story. Amen. Don't throw some quote at me that's meant for denominations that rejected the word or word rejectors and they want to shout and reject the word. That's not us. We believe all the word. Don't try to apply something like that to us. That is not our, that is not our story. Our story is we believe the message. We believe every doctrinal truth. We believe the word. That's our story. 
preachers get embarrassed to hear there was shouting and dancing in the spirit. They're ashamed of being Pentecostal. Well, Brother Branham had some words for you just before he left. We notice today, if someone says, are you a Christian? This is from Ashamed, 1965, in Jeffersonville. We notice today, why, why am I qualifying that? You know, because here's what it goes. If it's before the seal, well, that was before the seals. That we, don't, we don't believe that. So we have qualifiers on which one we accept and which one we don't. And, and, and if it wasn't preached in Jeffersonville, well, he was preaching that to a denominational group, and he was just speaking their language. So you see, that's their narrative. So I'm going to just say this fits. It's in Jeffersonville. It's in 1965. It's just before he departs from this earth. One of his last sermons that he preaches. And he said, it's a popular thing to say, oh, I'm a Christian. But do you believe the word of God where it said, these signs shall follow them that believe? Oh, even ministers' faces will blush. Are you ashamed to say of divine healing? Are you ashamed of the full gospel? Are you ashamed of your Pentecostal experience? That's being ashamed of his word. That's his word made flesh in you. Oh, what if this little boy said he, and you say, he's my son. And he says, who, me be your son? What would you do? What do you think I am? It would embarrass me. It would you. If it were your son. And that's the way it is with so-called Christianity today. If you name the, uh, the uh, denomination, all right, they accept the fatherhood denomination. But when it comes to accepting the fatherhood of the word Christ, no, they're embarrassed. They don't want, they don't want to say, yes, I have spoke with tongues. Yes, I have seen vision. Yes, I believe in divine healing. Yes, I praise the Lord. I'm free from all organization. I'm not bowing down to any of that. I am a servant of Christ. Oh, my. That just tear them to pieces. Then he goes on to say, but let me say this. A man who has once come in contact with God, which is the word, and the word has been made plain and manifested to him. There is no shameness about that. You're not embarrassed. It doesn't embarrass me to say I believe every word of God. It doesn't embarrass me when the Lord has anything, say anything, you go and say it and do it. It don't embarrass me to say I've been filled with the Holy Ghost. It don't embarrass me to say I've spoke with other tongues. It don't embarrass me to say that our Lord has showed me vision. It don't embarrass me to say he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. I'm not ashamed. I'm not ashamed. Are you with me? I'm not ashamed of this land. I don't see any giants in it that are significant. Every giant that I see is insignificant. They are bread to us. Every obstacle I see, we can overcome it. Every enemy, hallelujah, he has made me to triumph over every enemy. Amen. Every, every mountain, amen, that the giants are camping on, I'm going to take that mountain. I say, like Caleb did, give me that mountain. Are you with me? Stand to your feet. Brother Matt Watkins and I have a little funny thing going on between us. He made a statement about he don't preach as long as me. I thought it was funny. 
I hope he thinks this is funny today. <laughs> but let me just say, we preached maybe, like I said in Virginia, an hour and none of your business. <laughs> but God knows what your need is. And he knows what our narrative is. I can read every quote Brother Branham said about emotion. And I can rejoice in everything that he said against and for. Because I believe it all. And I believe we're walking in the land. And brother, when I get a hold of these grapes and taste this goodness... It makes me want to shout. <laughs> it wants me to exclaim, this is good. This is wonderful. This is the truth. This is mine. When I see the results. Hallelujah. Oh, you can have all the arguments you want. You can debate the message all you want. But I see the results. I see transformation. I see the dynamics of the Holy Spirit that changes lives and transforms people. Well, Brother Tim, I, personally, I think y'all get a little bit too noisy. Well, let me give you a quote that fits my narrative. Was the Pentecostal church a noisy church back at the beginning when the Holy Ghost first fell? The Virgin Mary, like she was drunk, staggered under the power of God and all of them like that. And the people said they're full of new wine. That's the way the church was ordained. That's the way that every church was ordained. Every time God has a church, it'll be the same kind of church because it ain't got no uncertain sound. Well, our bishop says, I don't care what the bishop said. It's what the word says. The bishop's got an uncertain sound. If his sound is sounding the same thing that this is, he's right. And then if the church don't act like it did like that, he's wrong. If you say you got it and didn't act like that, then there's something wrong with you because that's exactly what he said, everyone. Amen. Amen. That fits my narrative. My story is, I've been in the land, and I've been walking through it. My story is, there is healing that will cause cancers to go. My story is, it'll drive out fear. My story is, it'll take a man that was laying there and that the doctor said was brain dead and it was going to harvest his organs and raise him up again to preach the gospel. And that's 15 years ago. And yes, I'm talking about Ron Spencer. That's my narrative. That's my story. Amen. My story is, as I walk through this land, hallelujah, it'll transform young people. Amen. It'll fill them with the Holy Ghost. It'll give them a joy in their heart that the world can't give and the world can't take it away. That's my story. Hallelujah. My story is, it is not emotion, but it will make you emotional. That's my story.
pull them two chairs out. Uh, what am I doing? I'm exposing the power. Pull it out just a minute. Right there, you see that plug? It's got power in it. It's an unseen force. Listen, you can go to talk about it, thinking about it. You think about it too much, you'll scream just thinking about it. You know how it'll hurt if you've ever been touched. Amen. You know, say, say somebody, somebody, somebody the other day, they saw their, their, their girlfriend get blessed by the Holy Spirit and shout. You know what they did? They shouted too. You think that's wrong? No, I'd rejoice too. Amen. I rejoice seeing somebody else rejoice. Maybe I didn't feel anything, but they did. I'm just glad they did. I'm just glad to see the blessing on them. Now, I can put a plug in this. I can vacuum the floor. I can run a saw. I can do all kinds of powerful things with the power that's in there. But I'll tell you what, if I unscrew that thing and get its protective cover off and I touch it just right, I'm going to feel it. And when I feel it, I'm going to shout. There's going to be a lot of emotion. I might cry, I might jump, I might shout, I might say, woo Amen. And I'll tell you what, if you ever get a hold of this power, You might jump, you'll shout, you'll dance, you'll even speak in other tongues. You do all kinds of things because you got a hold of the power. Hallelujah. Amen. Brother, this ain't electricity we're talking about. This is the Holy Ghost we're talking about. Amen. Now, it don't hurt you, but it'll hurt sin. It'll hurt unbelief. It'll hurt doubt. It'll run it right out of the building. It'll cause devils to flee. There's a power in this world. It ain't emotion. It's power. But when you get touched by it, it causes emotion. Give me some evil report. Don't say nevertheless. Say God is more than able and we are more than able. I'm taking my promise. If I need healing, I've got it. If I need salvation, I've got it. I need my lost loved one brought in. They're coming. Everything it is, it's lays in the land. Hallelujah. I need to know the mysteries of truth. It's there laying in the land. It's there. The promises unto you and your children. Hallelujah. Your children will be great in the land. Hallelujah. That's God's promise. That's God's promise. That's God's promise. That's your promise this morning. It's for you. It's for your children. It's for them that are fall. I don't care how far off they are. It's for as many as the Lord has done. And he still 
Jesus.